Entrepreneurs Over 40, episode 73 with Scott Miles talking about franchising. If you have passions and dreams about business ownership, explore it. Uh, don't be afraid to learn about business ownership. Don't be afraid to know. It's okay to say no as you learn more if the timing's not right. If you have a significant other, make sure that they are on the same page, just as you wouldn't want them to go out and write a check for something without talking to you first. But explore it. It's what builds America. It what builds this country, small business. And that's what franchising is. It's small business. It's independently owned. And you're part of the system. Go slow. Ask a lot of questions. And don't be afraid to learn. You're listening to Entrepreneurs Over 40, the show for somewhat mature entrepreneurs and side hustlers. And now your host, Greg Mills. Our guest today has been an entrepreneur dating back to his teen years, where he started small businesses, mowing lawns, raking leaves, and shoveling snow. In his early 20s, he began a career with a major news organization as a cameraman for the White House Press Corps. Several years later, he could not ignore the calling of his entrepreneurial spirit and left the news industry to pursue a career in business. After 35 plus years of experience, he has been a significant contributor in various senior leadership positions. His tenure in franchising has landed him on leadership panels at several franchise conferences. He's also earned his certifications as a certified franchise executive and certified franchise consultant. He's married and has three adult children and four grandchildren. When he is not consulting, you can find him with his wife, Eva, either on the beach, sailing, golfing, or playing tennis. Without further ado, Scott Miles. Hey, Greg, glad to be aboard. All right. I'm glad you're here too. Now, Scott, can you take a few moments and fill in the gaps from that intro and bring us up to speed with what's going on in your world today? Yeah, I have to say that the, the news media experience was quite fascinating. It's, I probably could share a lot of stories, but I may have Secret Service be knocking on my doors if I reveal names. Of course, this goes back to the early 80s. So, But uh, I've always been one of those kind of guys that uh, just love business, love running businesses, being active in businesses. I've dabbled in both, owning my own businesses and, of course, looking for people. I helped build a franchise company, a franchisor. A fast, casual concept, burger concept that really took it from its inception stage to making it a national presence. And when when an opportunity came up to be a partner in that business, it didn't work out. So what I did is I took all that experience that I had or have had over the years. I'm 62, so I'm not a young man, but I'm not an old man. But I took that experience and formulated about five, six years ago, seven years ago, whatever it is, a consulting company where I really help people. Just research and explore business ownership, kind of really take a process that's been developed and help them build the business model, a roadmap and see if business ownership, preferably franchises, although I have done some independent work as well, really makes business sense for them. And it's something that they want to do. Okay. Now, did you come from an entrepreneurial background at all? Did anybody in your family have a business? No, actually, it's kind of funny. When I look at my relationship with my father, my mother was a stay-at-home mom. My father was uh, educated, put himself through the GI Bill, got his law degree, was a, a trust attorney, and then was uh, president of a foundation and then eventually founded an engineering college. But I came from a background, my father's background was uh, pushed education. I was totally the opposite. I was not an educational type guy. I was a hands-on guy. I learned by putting my hand on the oven 
And if it was hot, I know not to put it on. I think I was about nine or 10 years old. I grew up on Long Island and I started, got hooked up with an Italian family. There were four brothers, I believe it was. And I started working in their family pizzeria. And they nicknamed me Gino. And we used to play these games that I was an import from Italy and I couldn't speak English, but I knew how to make pizza. So uh, we played Little League together. Their father was the coach. And I fell in love with the restaurant business, the pizza business. Uh, Flash forward, I graduated high school barely and ended up going to college for a year and a half and came home in the middle of my sophomore year and asked my father if I could borrow $20,000 to open a second unit, a pizzeria with the family. I had been working off and on with them for years. And uh, I won't tell you what he exactly said, Greg, because this is a public broadcast and there's probably (laughs) women going to be listening to it. So so I just started going out. My father said to me, well, what are you going to do for money and where are you going to live? And I said, well, I'm hoping I can stay here and kind of get my feet on the ground. And he said, well, your rent's $50 a week and it starts the first of next month. So I just went out and started doing different jobs, building things. And that's really how I got into the entrepreneur thing and knew that the food industry and different aspects of business were where I wanted to be. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like we had similar dads in that respect. I can't imagine my dad handing me over $20,000 at that age. So, yeah. Well, he wanted me to go to the McDonald's school of management. And I won't tell you what I said to him when he told me that, but (laughs) you can get the drift of the conversation. (laughs) Yeah. So so how did you transition from working as a cameraman in the White House press corps to being a franchise consultant? I, uh, I left the, the news industry and my father's next door neighbor's brother owned a printing company, a distributorship. So prior to that, I was working in New York City selling rolls of vinyl to the handbag industry. And I really enjoyed sales, still working part time in the food industry, restaurant industry. And I did really well in the printing industry, ended up leaving, helping build another distributorship to a national level. And I was familiar with franchises within that industry. I left that industry after selling my own printing business. I channeled out, opened my own distributorship, and I sold it. And I moved up to the western part of Massachusetts, where I ended up meeting a a friend of mine, introduced me to his brother who was starting, seems I have a connection with brothers, seemed to connect me with his brother who was starting this burger concept. It had been launched and uh, I got involved on the operational side, which eventually got me into the development, the VP of development. And that's how I really got into franchising. I, I thought I would be there for the rest of my life or working life, I should say. And it didn't work out. We're still friends. We still get along. We still chat. There's still some work I do for them as far as introducing them to clients. But that's really how I got involved in franchising. Okay. It's an interesting industry. It's been very good to me. Okay. Now, most of my listeners aspire to have their own business instead of working for the man if they don't already have one. They're tired of corporate America, but either don't want to retire or can't afford to. What are their options? Well, there are a lot of options. I mean, obviously, there's the independent route where you can start your own business, kind of develop those systems, best practices. I like to call the menu. Uh, and of course, there's options in franchising. My responsibility as a consultant, and when I start, speaking with somebody, first, you should know that my services to my clients, there are no costs, kind of like that realtor model that I am compensated by the brands that I represent. So my job and responsibility to my clients 
is to kind of build that roadmap for them, really get them to understand what they're looking for in a business. It does happen and happens more than often that people go through the process, kind of learn more about themselves and realize maybe the timing's not right. Maybe business ownership isn't right for them and they'll go back to corporate America. Um, so it's a, it's a 90 to 120 day process between validation and making a decision. So, but there are options out there. There's three to 4,000 franchises out there. Now, not all of them are good ones. I certainly wouldn't say go out and start checking boxes on the internet and just pick and choose, but you'd be surprised on what's out there at all levels for all investment levels, skill sets, and so forth. Okay. So how in-depth do you go with people to make sure a franchise is a particular fit for them? Well, my what I try to do is get my clients to a point where they can make a validated decision and not an emotional decision. I think that's the key part. The validation, the conversations with the franchise or the brand with me are in-depth. Um, I'm focusing in on making sure that my clients are asking the right questions, getting the right answers and making sure that, again, they're making a validated decision and not emotional. And of course, there's the fear and anxiety factor that always sets in. Is the spouse on board or partner on board? Are they not? How do we work through that? So it's a very in-depth process. It's, I call it know your no, K-N-O-W, and know your, simply saying that you don't, you want to own your own business because you don't like your boss is not a reason to own a business. It's not easy. I don't think there's anything called a perfect business. There's an ideal business, but there are different things for different people. Okay. So how should somebody go about researching the right franchise for them? I would strongly suggest that you work with a franchise consultant, much like I do. Find somebody you're comfortable with. It's important to build that trust level. It's kind of like working with a realtor or any consultant. You want to feel comfortable and then kind of go through that process. Just learn more about franchising. Know your no. Don't be afraid to learn. Don't be afraid to know. It, it, listen to your consultant as far as, hey, maybe this isn't for you or trust your instincts and guts. I wouldn't, I would suggest that people don't kind of reach too far, but stay within your means. I think the other important step is uh, the financing startup costs, looking at financing options. I have a friend, I have a financial consultant that I pay uh, to talk to my clients to best analyze where they are financially and what are the best routes for financing, whether it's SBA, HELOC, 401k, rollover plans. There are many options. So there are a lot of pieces to the puzzle in the step process before you get to a decision. And the decision may be no. Okay. Do you, how often would you say that, or, and do you ever recommend somebody, hey, this is just not for you? Yes. And I will say that typically if I'm ready, the beauty of the program and what I've come up with and what I work with is the model and the roadmap can always be changed. So you may have two or three brands that you're talking to and you're realizing different things about yourself and hearing different things about franchises that are in that category. And we may have a conversation and say, you know what? Hey, Scotty, that's this category is not for me. Here's why. So we'll go back and start over again and kind of retweak and start looking at brands that maybe are a different fit and take them down the road that they really want to go down. Okay. So how should somebody evaluate the similar brands when considering franchising? Because I imagine, you know, that you've got like great multiple sandwich shops, multiple burgers. Yep. Yep. Great question. And I tell my clients this. 
You have to be comfortable with the systems that the franchise for is offering you to become a franchisee. That's number one. Number two, once you're becoming comfortable with those systems and feel that you can be implement, delegate those systems and be successful with them, you want to feel comfortable with the people that you're going to be working with within the franchise system. It's like a marriage. You're not going to agree all the time, but you got to be able to get along. If you find yourself that you're pushing or people are trying to sell you something or put you, putting you into a square peg in a round hole, I always tell my clients, it's time to bail. It's time to say, no, you're going to go in a different direction. So it's a relationship. I mean, in most cases, franchise agreements are 10 years you know, with options to renew. So you want to be comfortable with the people that you're working with. So you may have two carpet cleaning franchises, but one, you appeal more to the people. You just have that connection versus the other brand. So that's the best way I can tell you to compare brands. There's also the risk reward factor. There are brands that we call that are emerging. They're in that embryonic stage. It's great to be part of an emerging brand because you're part of the growing team. You're giving ideas, suggestions, and they're being implemented. When you're with a brand that's solidified, you tend to be just a franchisee. You're getting the support that you need, but Ideas, suggestions, you know, it, it's not as an open door policy as if it's an emerging brand. Okay. So the, with an emerging brand, the processes may be more flexible, but they may not have as good a training. I'm just generalizing, but I'm imagining that's probably the case. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be card. That's going to be part of your validation, talking to existing franchisees in the system. How was training? Did they teach you what you thought you were going to be taught? Is it ongoing? How are the support? How's the marketing support, operational support, marketing support? So those are the questions in your validation. But it's not, you just have to be comfortable with the people that you're going to kind of be partners with. Okay. That makes sense. Now, what are some common pitfalls that you see people make when selecting a franchise opportunity? The biggest one is, you know, that they're not following the system. They know more than the franchisor. You know, they're great through the process. They're following the process. And that's what franchisors look for in, in their steps, their process, the way they evaluate and award franchises. I mean, that, that's the first thing that listeners really should understand is that franchises are awarded. Just because you have the financial capability of investing in the brand doesn't mean that you're awarded. They want to make sure people who can follow the process and delegate the systems. What happens is people get into the system and they immediately think, I can do a better job. I'm going to do this. They don't spend as much money on marketing as they should. And I used to tell people, and I still tell people, when you get a 747 up in the sky, you're at full throttle. Well, you don't take the throttle all the way back because the plane's going to drop out of the air. It's the same thing in a business. So that's the number one reason people fail at franchising. They just think they know more. They're not as humble. They don't like direction. The other one is that people can fail at franchises by picking the wrong one because their spouse did not agree with the brand that they were going with. It's really important that spouses, partnerships, significant others agree on the brand that you want to invest in. If one says no and the other says yes, I always tell my clients, say no. Exercise on the side of caution. There's always an exercise I give my clients. I said, look, sit down at the dinner table with a pad of paper, glass of wine, cup of coffee, the kids are in bed, and each of you write out what your responsibilities are. Think about what the other person's responsibilities are if you were to own a business, and you'd be surprised. 
So those are your probably two common mistakes. The other one, third, is it's not funded correctly. You try to go in this on a shoestring budget or you're absorbing all of your savings or means that you have, financial means, and throwing it into business. You don't want to get into a business like that. You want to be able to pay your bills as you build the, uh, the business up. Okay. All of that makes sense. What's kind of the common profile that you see when somebody is looking at a franchise opportunity? Well, if you're referring to somebody who wants to kind of exit that corporate America, my experience has been working with those 20 to 30 year tenured executives, people who have really helped build the company. Maybe the kids are now gotten into college or gotten out of college. And now it's time for them to really start doing some of the things that they want to do. I have, I've worked with people that have been displaced and just really don't want to get back into corporate America. Three years ago or two and a half years ago, when we went through the pandemic, and the pandemic was emerging, I had my plan relief business plan all set up. What was I going to do? Because I thought business would just end. Nobody's going to want a business. Well, the opposite happened. People started realizing they want to work from home. They want to spend time with family. I don't have to travel. I don't have to go to an office. So it, it, I, I work. So I work with people who are just looking to get out, people who have been displaced. I also work with people who already own businesses. And now they want to diversify their portfolio, add to their, their wealth mechanisms as far as building additional wealth. Okay. So, so what type of, uh, well, I guess backing up just a second, do you have, do you represent franchises that are remote opportunities or yeah, are absolutely. they all physical? Yep. Yep. Remote retail service base brands that you could actually own the real estate as well as owning the business. So there, there are three to 4,000 brands out there in all different categories. So it's really finding what's more comfortable for, for my clients. Okay. Can you speak to some of the brands that you represent? And if not, yeah, let me, let me, I, let me Go ahead. just kind of tell you a story. I, I think the best way to do that is just to tell you a little story. I don't want to get long winded on it, but I started, I, I had an initial call with a client out of Florida. He, a p &E group had just bought his company, let's just say between 30 and $40 million. And they had bought it a few years ago and his contract to stay on was winding out and his complete family was working for him. And he wanted to help his family now that the tenure was ending and working with the contract with this particular company, that they were interested in owning a business and that he was looking at a food concept and he was pretty close and he wanted to know my opinion. And I said, look, let's spend a half hour on the phone. Let me get to know you a little bit. We went through that half hour call with his family. And I said to them, look, if I was working with you, I would say no to the opportunity you're looking at, but I'm not you. Maybe there's something you see that I don't see. What I can tell you is I want you to go spend one or two days being, be the, be in the life of a particular franchisee for that brand and go work two days, one day. And I said, if you decide that's what you want to do, great. If you don't, give me a call and we'll pick up where we left off. Well, two weeks later, they picked up and they said, thank you, Scott. That is not what we want to do. And I introduced them to a couple of concepts and they ended up going with a concept that is in the salon industry where they do suites. So you take 4,000 square feet and you build out 36 to 40 individual suites for cosmetologists and they rent the suites. One employee, you can do it yourself. Not a lot of moving parts. 
reoccurring revenue, and you can potentially own the real estate. So that's an example. I had another gentleman I worked with who had a passion to get into food. The day he was supposed to sign his franchise agreements, it was a Friday. He called me up and said, I don't think I can do this. And I said, that's okay. It's, let's talk about it. He, I said, what's your, what, why are you saying no now? He says, well, I just got an offer for double of what I was making. So let's put this in that five hundred to $600,000 a year category. And I said, well, if I were you, I would be making the same decision as well. I said, but there's one thing I want you to think about. And I want you to take the weekend to think about it. He said, what? I want you to go back to what's your why? Why did you want to get out of corporate America? You've been very successful. You wanted to get out for X reasons. I'm not going to go over them, but take the weekend to think about it. Because you're not going to get out. If anything, you're going to be increasing your involvement in corporate America. Well, he called me up Monday afternoon and said, thank you, Scott. I made a decision. I signed my franchise agreements and I'm getting into the the restaurant business. <laughs> so again, there's a there's something for everybody out there. It's all about what you want to do. Like I said to you, it's not easy. It takes a lot of work, hard work. There's no guarantee that you're going to be successful, but your success rate in the franchise is a lot higher than as if you were an independent. Okay. So. What are, and going back to this question though, what, what are like, if not the actual brand names, what are the different industries that you represent? Home services, whether it's renovation, real estate, short-term vacation rental market. There, the pet industry is a big industry. I love the pet industry because it's recession resistant. It's technology. There's the, the salon industry. Everybody needs a haircut. In, in a recession, nobody does not get a haircut. Maybe not as frequently, but they're still going to go get a haircut. So the hair industry, the beauty industry, health and fitness, believe it or not, is still a booming industry. People want to take care of themselves. People want to be fit. I mentioned uh, real estate type models, automobiles. I mean... There are millions and millions of automobiles out there. They're going to be served. They need to be serviced, all aspects. So there are what we call needs versus wants. And there is what we call recession-resistant, Amazon-proof, technology-resistant type businesses. So again, I hope that answers your question. But home services has been a very, very big business. People with a sales aptitude, people who don't mind going to see a business, B2C, B2B making a presentation, managing a crew, very big, work from home, don't need an office. They've been very popular right now and they will. Okay. Okay. So what, can you just, can you tell us about some of your biggest success stories with your clients? Yeah. I mean, I worked with the, I worked with a, what I call a serial franchisee. He's on multiple brands. He owns, he's probably one of the largest IZ with a hair salon brand. He owns over 85 units. I actually met him at a car show and I had a booth set up and he came up to me. We started talking and his wife was like, no, we're not doing another franchise. And I was like, hey, so I started to develop a relation with, and he ended up investing in a company that specializes in taking down trees, large trees, arbor services, not lawn care, not mowing lawns, but big trees. He liked big toys. He liked that. He was a Harley kind of guy. He owned a Harley Davidson dealership, several other concepts. So it's always been great. I have a client that kind of got displaced from corporate America, is kind of down and out. He invested into a home services and 
my recent conversation with him about six weeks ago, he's doing very well. He's glad he made the decision. I have another couple that I just got done working with out in Texas. He was in corporate America operations for the last 10 years. She was working part-time and helping raise the kids. He wanted to get out. They invested in the short-term vacation rental business and doing very well. So those are really the good stories. I have one bad story where a guy kept saying to the guy, hey, look, you really shouldn't do this. This isn't for you. He did it and realized he made a mistake. So he had to end up selling it. He lost some money. But those are the success stories. For me, the success is that the person made the decision that was best for them and their family without any influence on my end. My job is really to talk you out of it. And make sure you really want it. <laughs> yeah. So what is the range of, of entry entry level to expensive franchise package? Uh, I have brands right? that you can get into for fifty to $75,000 with some working capital. I always, and brands that you can invest $1.5 to open a, a, a location. I always tell But I want to open a nice one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, one of the biggest things right now on the market that I'm doing a lot of work with and has just seemed to emerge out of nowhere. And one of the reasons is because this particular brand kind of got into an industry that doesn't have a lot of uh, competition and it's an old industry and that's in the laundromat business. Uh, Wash and fold, I call it. A lot of people today, especially in those middle class, lower middle class areas and even upper middle class, people don't have time to wash their clothes and they don't want to. Not dry cleaning, but wash and fold, pick up and delivery. So that's a big, I mean, you're looking over a million dollars at something like that, but the validation is very strong, the returns. But again, you can get into a good franchise, a very successful that can generate six-figure revenue, six-figure income, I should say, for 100000 75 to 100000 as long as you're willing to work it and be involved. Okay. Now, just to, on a personal note, what's your number one skill? And conversely, your number one weakness. I think my number one skill set when working with clients is my years. I have been told that I am a very good listener and I try to do less talking and more listening and really kind of zero in on what my clients' needs are and really kind of looking for those buzzwords or keywords, kind of focusing in on their pain or because eventually in my business, fear and anxiety always comes into play. Whether you're investing 50000 or a million, whether you've done this before or not, fear and anxiety is normal. It's a normal human trait. I mean, I'm always worried about the people that don't have fear and anxiety. Those are the yeah. people we're more concerned about. I think my biggest weakness is I just don't have any patience for people who can't take the process seriously and think not showing up for meetings or not showing up for calls with the franchisors, my partners. That's where I really lack. I have a short leash for that. My services are free. I don't charge any of my clients anything. As a matter of fact, I even pay for them to talk to a consultant, a financial consultant to help them on that financing site. If you can't give me the respect and courtesy of my time, that's where I kind of lose that balance and kind of lose the patience It's, it's yeah. to say, hey, look, I'm not the guy that's going to help you out. Yeah, I imagine that's probably a pretty, pretty good indicator of potential problems further down the road, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, life gets in the way sometimes. I get it. And phone calls have to be canceled. Appointments have to be postponed. But when you're a no-show or don't give the courtesy, that's when, you know, kind of the steam starts coming out of my ears. <laughs> yeah. And I'm cordial about it. It's just, hey, you know, let's depart as friends, but 
I can't help you. That's just, I don't have time for that. I can totally understand that. Now, what's next for you that you're excited about? Well, as I mentioned to you early in our conversation, I'm very fortunate. I, I've done very well as a, in the franchising industry. I've done very well in my consulting business. When I do work, I work hard and I work hard for my clients. So my wife and I, last year, uh, this business has afforded me a second home down in Florida, kind of that winter home, winter bird home. And I'm very excited about that opportunity. I have three, four wonderful grandkids. My wife has one, two actually. So the opportunity for spending time with them. So on a personal side, that's what I'm excited about. As far as the business side of things, you know, I'm just really fortunate to have good clients, good franchisor partners, and to be able to work. I'm, I'm not in a position where I have to be desperate and push people. I think that one of the things that I always encourage people when you're working with a consultant, whether it's me or anybody else, work with consultants that pull the string. Don't work with consultants or even franchisors that push the string because when you start pushing, things get tangled up. And that's when your thought process gets all tangled and you start making decisions that you shouldn't be making. So whether you take 90 days or six months, at some point you have to make a decision it's either yes or no. There's no maybes in franchising. No's okay. But I think I'm really fortunate. I'm really seeing great things in the next two to three years for the business, my business. There's a lot out there. And, and I think there are a lot of great future entrepreneurs, whether it's franchising for them or not. But I like to see that direction. And I like to see what's going on in our country for entrepreneurs. I mean, it's good information. It's exciting. Well, let's get ready to wrap this up. What's the best way for people to check you out, Scott, and get in touch with you? You can go to my LinkedIn profile, Scott Milas, M-I-L-A-S. Go by Scotty. Everybody calls me Scotty, so uh, it's still under Scott Milas. You can email me at scottmilasfranchisecoach.com, or you can give me a call, 860-751-9126. I do have a website, scottmilasfranchisecoach.com. Believe it or not, I still like to talk on the phone. <laughs> yeah, so you can get a good feel for people. Yeah, that way. I enjoy it. I don't think I can offer anybody guidance through email or text messaging. So if that's your platform, it's probably not something I can help you with. So those are the best avenues to contact me. All right. What's the number one piece of advice that you can give for our listeners? If you have passions and dreams about business ownership, explore it. Uh, don't be afraid to learn about business ownership. Don't be afraid to know, K-N-O-W. That's the big thing. It's okay to say no as you learn more. If it's not, the timing's not right. If you have a significant other, make sure that they are on the same page, just as you wouldn't want them to go out and write a check for something without talking to you first. It works the same way, but explore it. It's what builds America. It what builds this country, small business. And that's what franchising is. It's small business. It's independently owned. And you're part of the system. So, or go out and do it yourself. I've helped people franchise their business. That's the other part of the services I offer. So that's always, if you have an existing business and you want to scale it, franchising is a great way to do it. Um, so that's my best advice. Go slow, ask a lot of questions and don't be afraid to learn. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you, Scott, for being a guest on Entrepreneurs Over 40. Thank you. If you have any questions about an episode or would like to suggest a guest or topic, you can reach me at greg at eo40show.com. Don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss any episodes. As always, 
Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneurs Over 40 podcast. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneurs Over 40. Check us out at entrepreneursover40.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast directory.